Introducing Christianity to Mormons, a new book by Mormonism Research Ministries' Eric Johnson and published by Harvest House Publishers is a resource that'll help you share your faith with Latter-day Saint friends and loved ones. Order your copy of Introducing Christianity to Mormons at mrm.org. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Today we wrap up our look at an article that was in the August 2023 edition of the Liahona Magazine, an article titled Paul's Metaphors of Salvation in Their Ancient Context. It was written by Dr. Jason R. Combs, who is an assistant professor of ancient scripture at Brigham Young University. What he's doing, according to the subheading, is he is diagnosing dissecting what Paul means when he uses certain words such as justification, grace, propitiation, and so forth. In yesterday's show, we were talking about Paul's use of the word grace and how that word has been used by LDS leaders. And again, we're expressing our confusion regarding this article because we have said that Dr. Combs in many areas sounds very orthodox. It sounds like he believes much of these terms the same way as those of us in what they would call apostate Christianity believe. But is that really what the church is doing? Are they moving in our direction? I don't think so. When we were talking about grace, before we leave that subject, I want to hit something in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Because I don't believe that Paul, when he's talking about grace, believes in the same kind of grace that the LDS Church is espousing. When Paul says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, was Paul talking about general salvation or salvation by grace as it has been described by some LDS leaders of the past? Or was he referring to exaltation? Because That is important to understand what Paul is saying about this word, because if he's talking about general salvation, and you don't need any type of faith at all to receive general salvation according to Mormonism, then why does he say, for by grace you have been saved through faith? Well, that salvation can't be general salvation because faith isn't necessary according to LDS teaching. If he's talking about exaltation, then why is he saying it's not a result of works? But yet LDS leaders have often emphasized that you must have works in order to be exalted. So I don't think we can take Paul's statements and lift them from their context. We need to go back to Paul and see what he says about these very special words. For the most part, I think Dr. Combs is getting it right. There's some things that I kind of question, wonder what he actually means. But then his article, I think, is undermined by some of these boxes that are included. So now we're going to be looking at the terms propitiation and atonement. What did Dr. Combs have to say about that? He says, Paul continues to explain Christ's saving work with one final metaphor. Quote, God has set forth Christ Jesus to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. End quote. And that's from Romans 3.25. And he writes, The word translated as propitiation may also be translated as atonement or mercy seat. In the time of Paul, when most Jews heard the word atonement, they would think first of the work of the priests at the temple. 
Then he says, for instance, Leviticus 16 describes how the high priest on the Day of Atonement is to sprinkle the blood of the animal sacrifice upon the mercy seat to make an atonement. Paul uses the word propitiation to compare the saving work of Jesus Christ to something his readers were familiar with, the work of priests in the temple to take away the people's sins and reconcile them to God. Paul, however, clarifies that it is not the blood of animals that saves, but rather propitiation through faith in Christ's blood, and that's from Romans 3.25. So we get it by our faith in Christ's blood, and there's a period. But then he goes on to say this very interesting statement. Within two brief verses, Romans 3, 24 through 25, Paul invites us to imagine, number one, God justifying us in a law court because of our redemption in Jesus Christ. Two, God becoming our patron because of his gift of grace for which we should obey him and publicly thank him. And three, God acting as priest, making us holy through our faith in the atoning blood of Christ. Now, Bill, let me ask you this question. Do you see anything related to Mormonism in that paragraph? Not really, and this is why, especially when we look at, for instance, number one, God justifying us in a law court because of our redemption in Christ. We would say our redemption comes through Christ. Jesus paid it all, all to him we owe, as our Christian hymn says. Jesus is enough. He paid our debt fully. There was nothing left over for us to have to add in order to be justified. But then he says in point two, God becoming our patron because of his gift of grace for which we should obey him and publicly thank him. And we certainly do believe that. That's why we do our good works, is to show honor to the one who mercifully saved us, though undeserving we are. You see, in Mormonism, if you receive that grace that forgives you of your sins after you've done all that you can do, and what does that mean? According to the LDS manual, True to the Faith, page 77, the phrase, after all we can do, teaches that effort is required on our part to receive the fullness of the Lord's grace and be made worthy to dwell with him. What that says to me, Eric, is, By having merely a faith in what Christ did on our behalf and thanking him for that full payment that was made through his works, not ours, they're saying here that that's not enough because you become worthy after all you can do. Not what Christ has done. You become worthy after all you can do. That's not the grace that Paul is talking about. But then you have point number three. God acting as priest, making us holy through our faith in the atoning blood of Christ. I certainly hope that Dr. Combs really believes that, but if he really believes that, then what do you do with all the statements of LDS leaders that tend to nullify that? We don't become holy merely through our faith. Remember, as we've stated earlier in the week, you had LDS leaders calling that idea a pernicious doctrine, a doctrine that's evil. And I hope Dr. Combs believes that because I don't believe it's evil at all, but certainly past leaders in the LDS Church did. Bill, I want to read the last paragraph, and then I have read the entire article. If you listen to all five of these shows, you're going to hear the entire article, or you can go online and you can read the article for yourself. He wrote to conclude... When applied to our lives and worship as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints today, 
Each of these images can help us to see the power of our Savior's atoning sacrifice and the love that He and our Heavenly Father have shown us by offering us such a wondrous gift. Now, Bill, we had talked about earlier in this article not one citation from a unique standard work and no quotes from general authorities except in the boxes. It almost feels like his article is a step toward biblical Christianity, as we would call it. The question is, is he really believing this? But if he does, then he has made that step forward. And that is why we raise the question, who put the boxes in this article? If it was Dr. Combs who put the text in those boxes, then I would say Dr. Combs is a bit confused because he seems to be refuting himself by these quotes. But if these insertions in the boxes were made by an editor, I have to think that maybe the editor might have thought, we better tone this down a bit. And the reason I say that is because look at what Dale Renlin is cited as saying in the box on page U5. This is what Renlin says, The atoning power of Jesus Christ is essential because none of us can return to our heavenly home without help. We need the Savior's atoning power so that we can be reconciled to Heavenly Father. Jesus Christ broke the bands of physical death, allowing resurrection for all. He offers forgiveness of sins conditioned on obedience to the laws and ordinances of his gospel through him exaltation is offered. That's why I say, if Dr. Combs had that in his original manuscript when sent to the Liahona magazine, I would say Dr. Combs might be a bit confused, or is confused. But if that was inserted by an editor, I wonder what Dr. Combs thought about that after he saw the published version of his piece, because I would have been livid, because in my opinion, that statement from Dale G. Renlin, an LDS apostle, undermines what I think Dr. Combs is trying to get across in the article that he wrote. Because if the Lord only offers forgiveness of sins conditioned on obedience to the laws and ordinances of his gospel, that's not the gospel the Apostle Paul was teaching in his epistle to the church at Rome. And that is the saving grace if somebody does photocopy this article and hands it to you and says, see, look, we are on the same page. They're using our words that we like to use, justification, grace, propitiation, atonement. You can read the article, but make sure you point to that and say, well, it seems like this contradicts what the author is saying. Which version am I supposed to accept? Dr. Combs' version, a BYU professor, or what Bill and I have been talking about this past week, what the leaders and the scriptures say very clearly, that full obedience to the commandments of God are necessary for a person to get celestial glory. You know, it was the church father, Tertullian, who coined the phrase, what hath Athens to do with Jerusalem? In other words, bringing out this contrast between what was being taught in in the city of Athens as opposed to what was coming out of Jerusalem. I've kind of taken Tertullian's term and modified it a little bit where I say, what hath Provo to do with Salt Lake City? And the reason I say that is because sometimes you will see some of these BYU professors saying things that even we would admit sounds pretty good. In other words, they're coming our way. Now, I know Latter-day Saints probably hate it when I say that, but how else am I to take it? You've mocked and ridiculed what we believe about justification by faith alone. Your leaders have given it such horrible terms. And now 
we're seeing articles such as this by Dr. Jason Combs that sounds like it's moving in that direction. Is the church behind what Dr. Combs wrote in that piece? If so, why do we have those boxes there? Because if Dr. Combs wrote that, then he's not being consistent. But if an editor stuck that in there because you want to reel him in a little bit, don't go too far on this. Don't, don't say you're going to be holy because of your faith in Christ. We still have to have our celestial law. Then something's not right here. I think as Christians, we need to be very careful when a Latter-day Saint may bring this up to you and say these things. You need to ask them these questions. Why are the quotes in the boxes? Was he behind those quotes? Was he not behind the quotes? We have no idea. In closing, let us quote from a 70, Bruce Hafen. He said, Some of our friends can't see how our atonement beliefs relate to our beliefs about becoming more like our Heavenly Father. Others mistakenly think our church is moving toward an understanding of the relationship between grace and works that draws on Protestant teachings. Such misconceptions prompt me to consider today the Restoration's unique atonement doctrine. And that comes from the Ensign Magazine Conference Edition, May 2004, page 97. So if Bruce Hafen, a general authority, makes a statement like that, that they're not coming in our direction, then I would assume they're not coming in our direction. If so, why does this article sound like at least Dr. Combs is coming in our direction? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.